the Greek in the name of Jesus, that the word that you have given me, that I will deliver clearly, concisely, accurately, according to your heart, mind, will, and purpose, Lord. We can know your mind, and we can know your will. And Lord, I'm teaching your people, teaching myself how this can take place. So I thank you, Lord, for listening ears in Jesus' name. And everybody said, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read 2 Peter chapter 1. By the way, if you were not here Sunday, wow, wow, wow. That's all I can say. What an incredible day we had. I mean, we used to boast and talk about how great the Harvest Festival was. That was good. But Sunday, man, was all God. Uh, we left the... Judy wanted to leave that up for a couple, maybe a week or two, our skating rink, which you're not allowed to use. But there was one little girl that said was not able to use it because she broke her leg, but she's being healed. And uh, she, we, we're going to keep that up just for her. And I think, Mark, you're going to be available Sunday if people still want to have some pictures taken. Well, well, I don't know. You left your stuff up. I don't oh, oh, tonight? Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, if you want to do it, it's up to you. But we had pictures taken. I mean, it was an absolutely incredible. I know a lot of our own people are not here, but we were pretty full. All the Seeds of Faith parents came. They were here early, early, man. They were here early. They were sitting in the front. They were so excited. That's what we need to see in the regular body of Christ here. And uh, so if you missed it, man, don't miss it next year, I can tell you. Amen? All right, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. This is Peter. If anybody knew Jesus, it's Peter. If anybody had a transformation in their lives, it's Peter. And so he writes, I'm going to start with, I'll start right up with verse 1 of chapter 1, 2 Peter. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you, which tells me that grace and peace can be multiplied. I'm going to be talking about Peace Sunday I don't think people understand what peace is till you read and the definition. You know what the definition of the Greek word peace used in the Bible? It's the word prosperity. Did you know that? When he says your grace and peace, he means prosperity be multiplied unto you. It's not material possession only. It's that peace that's down deep inside. And he says grace and peace be multiplied, multiplied. I want it multiplied in my life. How many want peace multiplied? That means every day, every week, every year, every month, whatever, that peace and that grace is multiplied unto you. But how does it come? Through the no It doesn't come through prayer. It comes through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. We should be so hungry, as Paul was, that I may know him, to know Jesus Christ, to know God, according as his divine power has given us, not will, has given us all things, Say all things that pertain to life. And that word life is zoe life, the God kind of life, here on this earth, and godliness. How? Oh, by praying and fat. No, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Not when you die, here. Glory and virtue. Virtue is an important thing to have as a believer. Jesus was walking with a lot of people around him, and, and people were touching him, and and, and he said, somebody touched me, the woman with the issue of blood. And you know what he said? I felt virtue flow out of me. How would you like to be so filled with the virtue and power of God that people even touching you draw on that virtue and get healed? Man, I want that here. 
I want that in me, where people will draw on you. So it says that that comes to you through the knowledge of whereby are, excuse me, are given unto us exceeding, <coughs> I'm getting excited, exceeding great and precious promises. Wow, we have great and exceeding precious promises that by these, watch the promises that come by the knowledge of Him, might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. In other words, you can walk on this earth with this incredible divine nature in you. This nature that's like God, you walking like Jesus walked on this earth. You want that? I do. Amen. And this has been given to us. It's given unto us. It's it's ours already. Amen? So here's the question. Can we ever know the mind and will of God? Yes. Because in these scriptures, verses, we're told that it's absolutely necessary to get to know the mind and will of God. This isn't a suggestion. Why are you on this earth? Why are you on this earth? We're being trained. We're to show the unsaved world what it means to be saved. We are filled with the glory and the virtue of God. We are filled with the incredible promises and blessings of God that only come through the knowledge of him. How do you become a doctor? Oh, you go online and, you know, you you take a little test and you become a doctor. Don't you ever touch me with a scalpel. How do you become a dentist? Oh, I I took Dentistry 101 in, in, uh, you know, Bill Bobby's... Uh, school of dentistry online. Don't work that way. We had this discussion today, and I'm sorry to get on social media, but social media is, is anything but social. Seriously. You talk into a little box or on your thing, and you're not talking. You're texting. That, there's no social, there's no nothing here with this, with that. And so how are you going to get to know God? How are you going to get to know the promise? It doesn't come by osmosis. It comes by a desire and a will to know who God is. And we've been given these exciting, precious promises. We've been given his glory and his virtue that only come through the knowledge of him, the knowledge of his mind, the knowledge of his will, like this message is. 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, a little bit review here, tells us, that apart from the Spirit of God, we will never know the things that God has prepared for us. But 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, but God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. Great prayer to pray, prayer David. Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths, lead me in thy truth, and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation, and upon thee do I wait all the day. I always say you got to have your receiver tuned into WGOD, broadcast 24-7. God is always speaking, and you've got to be listening. Now, just walking around waiting for the voice, that's not always going to happen. But when you have the Word of God in front of you, in all type of translations online on your phone, i got Bible apps on my phone, you can get the Word of God 24-7. Oh, I just wish God would speak to me. He does. Which sometimes you're just too lazy to read his word or listen to what he says. So God will reveal his mind 
and his will as we diligently and consistently seek him as for hidden treasure. That's what the wisest man that ever lived on the earth, apart from Jesus, Solomon, by the Spirit of God says, seek wisdom as if you're seeking silver and gold. One Sunday, if you guys were here or not, I put silver dollars. I tucked them in the seats here. And I told people, actually here, between the seats, these are what they call portable pews. Actually, for every four seats, you're supposed to fit five people. But we like to put our heinies on this big spot and separate them by the cracks in the seats. So what I did, I'm sorry if you remember that service or not, I put silver dollars between the seats. I put 20 of them throughout the sanctuary. And I said, I guarantee you, you're going to be looking for those. And I said, but you got to wait till the end of the service. Yeah, people were not waiting. I could see people's hands going in between. One lady after service, she's going through all the rows because not all of them were found. She was seeking the silver dollars. That's how you have to seek the mind, will, and purpose of God where? In his word. Are you that hungry? Because the hungry will be fed, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be fed, filled. You'll be filled with what you're looking for. Amen? Matthew 7, 24 tells us that the man who will survive the storms of this life must first build the foundation of his life upon the hearing and the doing of the word of God. How many have ever faced some storms in life? Almost everybody. You're not going to survive the storm except by the grace of God. And probably the majority of people survive the storm by the grace of God. But to survive the storms that we face in life, we have to have a foundation. And the foundation is built upon knowing the mind, will of God, which is the word of God. So when a person gives their heart to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the spirit of God comes within you and he will place the desire to get to know God. Do you know that? Do you know that people, Christians, have to fight going to church? I should say they have to fight not going to church. You have to fight that off, and eventually you'll become, oh, I don't need to go on this or that. It's too cold, whatever, and they don't come. And yet God designed the church, and I'm so adamant about this because I didn't go. He designed the church, so, and I'll get there in a minute, where you come and you hear the word of God preached, and you hear it. I say, well, I don't need to go to church. The Bible said the Holy Spirit will teach me all things. Study that. It doesn't say that. He said he'll help you understand that which you hear. And so when you go to church and you're hearing the word of God preached, if, you're, if the guy's anointed, and I praise God I'm anointed, I'm going to give God the glory to that, and I preach the word of God and the spirit of God makes it clear to you. So without the spirit of God, you will never know the mind, will, and purpose of God. And it says that he puts the spirit in you crying, Abba, Father. I don't know about you, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I can feel that. Abba, Father, Daddy, I want to know the God who created me. I want to know who he is. I want to know what he wants for my life. So when a person gives their heart to God, the Spirit of God will place the desire to seek and know and do the will of God. It's in you. You all want to do the will of God. You want to seek God with all your heart. In other words, God will do, will give you what you seek with all your heart. In other words, with your permission. He doesn't force you. Jesus died on the cross to give you freedom to choose. And hopefully you choose to know God and to know his will. Amen? 
Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The Lord has made this so real to me. We have to fight the will of God in us to do his will and to know his will and to go to church. I don't know about you. I don't remember. I, I could probably count on one hand the time I missed. I was taught faithfulness and loyalty and devotion to my church and to my pastor, even when I didn't agree. But I learned that. And until you understand what that means, you'll never operate in the authority of the word of God. Amen? I'll get to that in a minute. All right. So the Amplified Bible says, Philippians 2.13, not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you. Say, he's working in me. He's energizing and creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. In other words, the Spirit of God is working in me. He's, he wants to do the work. The only person hindering that is who? Me. Is me. Not all oh, the devil. No, it's not the devil. The devil can't stop you from doing anything. So the initial desire and a decision to know the mind and will of God is yours. It's the cry if you let it come out to know God. But then God puts the drive within you to pursue him and his will. However, you can resist that. You can resist it, and it will die. It's called grieving the Holy Spirit. It's called hindering the Holy Spirit. Say this, the Holy Spirit in me wants to know the will and mind of God. Now, to find a will of God for our lives, we need to, number one, you've got to make a free will decision to repent of our sin and receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, which I believe most of you have already done. And then Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, will give us a desire to seek, to find, and know the word of God, which is the will of God. The word of God is the will of God. The will of God is the word of God. Say that. The will of God is the word of God, and the word of God is the will of God. Right? Number two, you will never fully understand the word of God without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I've been trying to memorize this scripture. Let's see if I get it right. Paul says, my speaking and my preaching were not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power. That your understanding or faith would not be based upon man's wisdom, but by the wisdom of the, and the power of God. The wisdom and the power of God. If I got that right. Amen? I, I, I don't want to speak into my own power. And I know it's God because I could never stand in front of people and speak. But over the years, God gradually trained me through technical, medical, technical, and then a little bit of sales, and then all sales, and then training. I had to speak to people. I had to stand in front of people. People that were highly educated, knew everything more than I did. I had a little bit of knowledge of what I sold. I knew it, not a little. I had a lot of knowledge of a little things. They had a lot of knowledge of a lot of things. And it's by the Holy Spirit that you and I can find the middle will and purpose of God. Amen? Well, well how, how do I get this Holy Spirit? How do I receive him into my life so I can know this stuff? Well, I'll give you the answer. Luke 11. Who wrote the book of Luke? Who wrote the book of Luke? 
Luke. And Luke also wrote the book of Acts. Did you know that? In the book of Luke, now Luke was a very highly educated man, but he understood the supernatural power of God. And he says in Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13, and I say unto you, ask, and you shall, it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. What is he talking about? What's Jesus talking about here? Ask, you receive. Uh, uh, seek, you find. Knock, it will be opened unto you. For everyone that asks, receives. And everyone that seeks, finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. Jesus said this. How many believe Jesus? Jesus is not a liar. If you ask, you'll get it. If you seek, you'll find it, and if you knock, it'll be opened up to you. What's he talking about here? If a son asks bread of, a, of any of you that is a father, will you give him a stone? Or if you ask for a fish, will a fish give him a serpent? And if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? That's why people are so scary. The two things, Chuck taught me this. Chuck told He said, you know what? I have found in my experience the two P's that people are afraid of. Tongues and tithing. They're afraid of it. They don't want to receive it. One lady, I was praying for her to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Whether she spoke in tongues to me wasn't important, but I just wanted her to know she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she said, well, I can't receive because the devil may give me something bad. What's it? Don't you have no trust in your father? This is what he's saying. If you're asking for something, why would God give you something that's evil? So this is what it finishes up saying. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? These are believers, or you can call God your Father. So this is an additional step to being born again. It's receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's what changed my life. So I'll declare it. I don't even know what it was, who he was. All of a sudden, I started praying in tongues. I didn't even know what it was. I'd have somebody teach me later. That, yo, you're, you're praying in the Holy Spirit. You're praying the mind, will, and purpose of God over your life, and then pray for the understanding. If I ask God for the Holy Spirit, for the fullness of the Holy Spirit, what's he going to give me? Who's he going to give me? The Holy Spirit. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, he will give you the Holy Spirit. Well, I thought I got the Holy Spirit when I got born again. Yeah, and you can call Father God Father. But now you're asking Father God for the fullness of the Holy Spirit, to open up your mind to understand the mind, will, and purpose of God. Amen. Message Bible says, And don't you think the Father who conceived you in life will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? Well, what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? To know the mind, will, and purpose of God. But let's read it. In John 14, John 14, 15, 16, talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. Remember, John's written to believers. Matthew was written to the Jew. Mark was written to the Romans. Luke was written to the Greeks. John was written to believers. That's why you'll read a lot about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Hallelujah. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it, see, it doesn't understand him. That's what that means. It doesn't see him, either knows him, but you know him, <clears throat> for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Okay, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, who's the Comforter? 
The Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit? The Comforter. You ever get cold? And you're sitting on a couch, and what do you wrap around you? A comforter to keep you warm, to keep, right? That's, we have a comforter. My dogs have comforters. <laughs> Whom the Father will send in my name, and he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have, what? Said to you. See, that's the key. I used to say, I don't need to go to church. I mean, I'm born again since I was 11, but I didn't really come to the understanding what it meant to receive Jesus, so I did that at the age of 26. From the age of 26 probably to the age of 30, that's four years, I didn't go to church. The church was right there. It was a Catholic church, but this priest was spirit-filled. It had to be 500 feet. I lived one street over from the Catholic church. My late wife went faithfully. I didn't go because I didn't need to go. Because, what did I just read? But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. So I'm going to have the Holy Spirit teach me. But read the second part of this. And will bring all things to your remembrance or your understanding whatsoever I have. What? Somebody said something that the Holy Spirit made clear. So when you go to church, and I'm going to get there in a minute, but the Word of God says, I will send you pastors. You don't pick and choose. I will send you, pa- oh, I'm going to go here. I don't like him. I'm gonna go. No, no, don't work that way. God says, I will send you pastors. In other words, he's going to tell you where to go, and that's where you stay until God says go. And if, if you're going, church, 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 you're, you're not listening what the Spirit of God says. My pastor used to say some things I did not agree with at all. And I was a right hand to him, and I would argue with him about stuff, and you know, and I said, I can't stop. I'm going to leave. And the Spirit of God showed me something that I shared with you, I believe, Brian, today, is that King Saul chased David and was going to kill him. And David had two opportunities to kill the king. And what did David say? I will not touch God's anointed. Listen, I don't belong here. God will get me out of here. And believe me, this boy prays all the time. If I don't belong here, get me out of here. I've heard what people said about me, talked about me. Lord, if you believe that and that's the case, get me out of here. I, I, can, I can do well in the business world again. And God said, you just stay right where you're at. Amen? And so I realized that the Holy Spirit's going to teach me what I hear. So people think they can just read their Bible and they're just going to be themselves. That's exactly what they are. They're just, they're just going to learn their little thing and not be taught by the Spirit of God because they can't learn to submit, which I'll get to in a minute. John 15, 26. But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, he will, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. Now the Holy Spirit's going to talk about who? Who's the Spirit? Well, who's writing this? Jesus is saying this. And so who's the Spirit of God going to testify of? Jesus. And who's Jesus? The Word. You can substitute Jesus for that word, Word. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Jesus have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against him. Substitute Jesus and the Word. Jesus and the Word are one. That's what Jesus said, right? In the beginning was the... Jesus is the Word. Amen. So we need to put Jesus or the Word within us. 
All right? Uh, okay, let's, John 15, 26, John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send unto you. Jesus had to leave. So the Holy Spirit's also called the Spirit of Christ. Now, Jesus in a bodily form, his flesh, could only be in one place at one time, talk to one person, wear a crowd or whatever. But in order to be able to get to all of us, he had to go back into the spirit realm. And by his spirit, the Holy Spirit, also called the Spirit of Christ, Spirit of Truth, can abide in all of us at the same time. Are you getting this? Man, the Holy Spirit of Christ abides within me. And I can fight him off, and I can close all doors to him, or I could do what the Word of God says. Delight thyself in the Lord also, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Woo, what a great promise. Finish it. Commit thy ways unto the Lord, and trust also in him. Hmm. Different story than just gimme, gimme, gimme. It's I have to submit, I have to commit, I have to trust in the Lord my God, right? Uh, John 16, 13 through 15. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you unto all truth. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He'll show you things to come. You hear what I'm saying? From what I understand in the Bible, this is my opinion, we always say that no one knows when Jesus is coming back, but when Jesus finds out, we'll know. You'll know when he's coming back. Not now, because he don't know yet. But once he knows, we're going to know. Believe me, we'll know. And how about you? Seeing what's going on in the world today, it, it's getting close. And there's a lot more stuff that's going to happen. A lot more stuff. It's going to get pretty bad, but the church is going to shine. It's going to shine. God's going to pull out all the stops to get people saved. And I don't know about you, I want to be in that last day army where people are coming to Christ in droves. So the Holy Spirit within us puts the desire to seek and find the will of God. He reveals the truth of the word of God. He guides us, teaches us, leads us, comforts us. And if we submit our will to his will, that's every day, he will help us to know the will of God for our lives. It's the Holy Spirit's desire and will to show you the mind, will, and purpose of God for your life. Amen? So I said, number two, you will never fully understand the word of God without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Number three, you know to know the will of God for your life, you need to first know the word of God. I've heard people say some of the stupidest things that God told them that has absolutely nothing at all to do with the will of God. Nothing. God doesn't, God isn't stupid. He lets you know his mind, will, and purpose. And all the person who's open and mouth says, this is what God told me. And I sit there going, you don't know God at all. Because he does not contradict his word. He says, I lift my word above my name. Amen. Notice how Jesus spoke the word of God to the devil, didn't he? Jesus had to know the word of God to speak the will of God, didn't he? Jesus wasn't teaching something that, 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 you know, supernaturally came to him. It did by the Holy Spirit, but he planted the word in him. He was a rabbi. He went to school. He had to learn the word of God. 
And Jesus had to know the word of God to speak the will of God. And Jesus chose to obey God's will and not his own. So from a very early age, <clears throat> Jesus sought to know and understand the word of God. And so should we, should we? Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Proverbs is a good book to read. It's the wisdom of God. Ready? Proverbs, my son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that you incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hid treasure, then shall you understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For God gives wisdom. Hallelujah. For God gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And you read in Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be. That's what Jesus said, so shall my word be. When you read the word of God and you believe it and you speak it, it has to be. If you as Christians understood the power that you possess in the name of Jesus and in the understanding of the word of God, that when you speak that word of God consistently, over your life, it will have an effect. Because God said, my word will not return void. It will accomplish that which I please and the prosper in the thing which unto I have sent it. He sent it, I receive it, and I speak it. And you have angels that are assigned to you to carry out what you say when it's the word of God. Or they sit there twilling their thumbs as you say stupid things and the devil says, I'll do that. I get the flu every year, so be it. I never, I never am happy, never, so be it. Or do we speak what the word of God says, whether you feel like it or not? The word has power. It does not return void. I find when I get sick or start feeling something and I speak it, it takes a little bit of time, but it's like going out there, like you're sh launching, you know, during the, the Iraqi war, if you remember, uh, they gave him a deadline, and they didn't obey, so all hell broke loose. What, what did he call it? What did the president call it? Huh? Shock and awe. I mean, these guys were sitting, the Iraqis' army, this was like the fifth most powerful army in the world, were sitting there. They didn't even know what to do. If you saw when the attacks were going on, I mean, they had CNN, we're in the hotels. They're shooting things up in the sky. They don't even know what they're shooting at. Because hundreds of miles away, it, a cruise missile is being launched or smart bomb, and, and they hear them, but they don't see them, and they're hitting dead targets. They're hitting right on them. And these guys are just shooting all over the place. They don't even know what they're doing. And what, once one guy made a comment, you realize what goes up. So they're shooting up in the air, and all these things are coming. They, they probably killed half themselves. And that's what happens when we say stupid things and when we should be speaking the mind, will, and purpose of God over our lives. And that's why you're on this earth. You're being trained how to fight. Because we're going to be in that latter-day army that comes back and finally mops these things up. My theory. One-third of the angels, and there were billions of angels, rebelled and were cast out of heaven. And then God creates man. And you know what he's doing? He's replacing them. With who? Not, we're not going to be angels. 
We're the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And God gives us his word, and he puts us on the earth and says, okay, I'm giving you all the tools you need to show the devil you're more powerful than he is. So you'll never know the, word of, never know the will of God unless you know the word of God. The word of God is his general will. And even the specific will of God for your life must line up with the word, which is his will. I've been telling my staff, I met with them individually today, and I said, one thing we're going to teach this church and people in this church is the word diligence. Because the word of God says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligence, loyalty, and faithfulness. They're, listen, we've got to the point where if you're on a team, it's how bad it's gotten. You're on a team, and somebody works really hard and excels. This guy does nothing, and they all get a trophy. Wrong. We're teaching our kids you can be rewarded for being lazy. And I talked to somebody not too long ago who was a, a manager, supervisor, and said a younger generation's coming up and said, well, we're supposed to be here at 9 o'clock. Well, I'm tired. It was cold out. And yet in other countries, in other nations, they're teaching their youth. When you say 9 o'clock, they're there a quarter of. And you think, well, that's nothing. You don't understand. These are the little things where God is trying to groom us. Who is the faithful servant? Read it. Jesus talks about it. It's not the guy that's ho-hum. It's a guy that's diligent and keeps their word. Getting off on a tangent here. Anyway, all right. So you never know the will of God if you don't know the word of God. You'll never know the true word of God, the true, the true word of God for your life unless you know his word. Now, the psalmist understood this principle. Who's the psalmist? David was one of them. Aesop's another. The psalmist understood this principle, and you will never know God's will for you and understand his word, his will for you, unless you understand his word. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is one of the longest psalms, but I call it the Psalm of the word. And if you want to know uh, everything about the word of God, read Psalm 119. So real quickly, and I don't want to keep you real late here, in Psalm 119, I'll read verses 1 through 3. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Every time you see that term, law of the Lord, it's the word of God. Who walk in the word of God. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, that seek him with a whole heart. Do, do you see the diligence here? You see the difference? God is drawing a line between the lazy and the diligent. Blessed are they that keep his commandments, that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Amen. That's what the word of God is about. Verse 9. Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. How can you cleanse your ways if you don't take heed to the word of God? Verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When you know something by heart, what does that mean? You memorized it. I, I couldn't memorize anything. But I wrote, tell you, I write these little cards down. I have them sitting. And I, every time I read it, I repeat it. I repeat it. I'm trying to memorize as many of these scriptures as I can that reflect that, that where the Spirit of God is speaking to me. The one I just quoted, just learning that one. That my speech and my preaching 
is not with enticing words of man's wisdom. I have to keep saying it over and over again so I believe it. It goes from my head to my heart. Amen? So I hide his word in my heart. Verse 45. I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precept. I can walk at liberty because I'm seeking what his word says. Verse 89, I'm kind of picking and choosing it. Read the 119, it's great. Verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled. In heaven. Verse 101. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. How can you keep the word if you don't know it? You get it? Verse 130. The entrance of thy words gives light and it gives understanding unto the simple. Can I put this in modern language? The entrance of thy words makes you bright. It gives understanding unto the stupid. That's my translation. We think we're so wise. We're getting wiser and smarter. No, we're not. We're getting dumber as the generations go by. That Here's what Jesus said. That which was called good will be bad, and that which is bad is now called good. And what was once wrong is now right, and what's right is now wrong. There's just a recent, again, I hate to get in politics, but how do you destroy someone's, okay, how do you get more money or more people, whether it's ministry or politics? How do you deal that? You would never do this in the past. How do you kind of guarantee you're going to win or you're going to get more money? What do you do? You get dig as much dirt or make up stories about your opponent. A guy lost election because of something that happened, maybe did or maybe did, decades ago. Who the heck in this room has not done something stupid? And people are stupid enough to believe what the news says when maybe it's not true. How does one pastor the wrong way grow their church and get more people by bad-mouthing another pastor? Whether it's true or not, and even if it's true, shut up! It's pretty bad when your church grows because you bad-mouth somebody else or lift up their mistakes. Boy, oh boy, are you in for a problem. <laughs> all right. Read all of Psalm 119. You'll see that the understanding of the writer, that God's, the understanding of the writer, that God's word is God's will for your life. So how do I come to know the word of God? One, you pray that the Holy Spirit reveal the truth of God's word to you. Every time you open your Bible, and I hope you read it, it's not how much you read. It's what you get out of the one verse, if that's all you read. Holy Spirit, Open up my understanding. Show me what this means. Man, I've studied scriptures for years. And I've read a scripture and I've asked the Lord to show it to me. And he gives me the level. I mean, the, the, the onion, you know, the onion theory. You just keep peeling the onion. It gets, it, it, the word's infinite. So he gives me an understanding. I'll read it a year later and then I get another understanding. It gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Number two, you need to read it to know it or hear it. Well, how, what should be my speed at which I read the word? Here it is. Secret, at the pace that's comfortable for you. And number three, read it in more than one translation. I like to use the King James because it's very poetic to me, but I also quote the Amplified Bible. I'll quote the Message Bible, the New Living Bible. The New Living Bible is a translation, good Bible. Amplified translation, good Bible. Message Bible, 
and the Living Bible, not the New Living, they're paraphrases. What they do is they'll take a bunch of scripture and then they kind of concise it to a thought. And a lot of times they're dangerous. Eugene Peterson is a great, the message Bible's incredible. But a lot of that has his opinion in it. Fortunately, his opinions are right. But you got to be careful because they're paraphrases. And a lot of times I'll, I'll take something, uh, I'll read it, but I'll put it in the Amplified because one word in Greek requires five or six words in English to explain it. And uh, unfortunately, I try to memorize in King James and then explain it in the Amplified because to, to memorize it in the Amplified, it's twice as long. Amen? So, and then number three, you read it. Uh, be careful, paraphrase Bibles, all right? Roman numeral four. I don't know if I've been following that or not. To know the will of God, and I'm just going to touch on this because we're running out of time. If this is so incredibly powerful and necessary and not taught. Okay, I'm teaching it because I'm a pastor. I'm not teaching it because I'm a pastor. I'm teaching it because it's the word of God. To know the will of God, you must submit to those who serve as your spiritual leaders in life. It's incredible how Christian some of them, not you guys, won't submit to spiritual leadership. Ephesians 4.11 says, and he gave pastors and teachers. Who gave them? Not you. God gave them. And what is God's purpose for giving us pastors? Jeremiah 3.15. And I will, I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Well, I don't go to church. That's me. I'm not going to church. I'm not listening to this guy. Who, do you think, who does he think he is? He's the pastor. God set him there. And God's big enough to get him out of there if the guy's following God's will. But the purpose of the pastor and my responsibility is to pray and study the word and deliver to you what I believe God's having me deliver to you. You. Not some other church or this guy. The pastor, if you're in the right church, the word you're going to get is for you. It may be something you not like, you may not like, but it's the word that God has given to me to give to you. And nobody's more terrified of the position than me. Because if I'm not giving you what God wants, I'm going to stand before God someday and answer on behalf of you guys that I did not do what God told me to do. And whether there's 10,000 people in this room or 100 or 10 people in this room, the only thing I'm concerned with is what God thinks, whether it's the 10 or 10,000, right? Right? Whether you're ministering to 10,000 or two. I think about all these churches in this. There's hundreds of churches in this area. And we're going to say, well, I boast because I got this many. God doesn't care. If the guy's a pastor and he has a church of 25 people and he's doing what God's told him to do, he's going to get his reward. When I stand before God, I had a church of 5,000. God's going to go, whoopee, good for you. I didn't tell you to do that, and you didn't teach anything I told you to teach. That scares me. I don't want to miss God. Amen? That's the attitude you need. I'm going to leave it at that because Hebrews 13, 17. I'm going to read it and then I'm done. And we're going to go over this more next week. Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them. Continue recognizing their authority over you, for they are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare as men who have to render an account of their trust. Yikes. Do your part to let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning, for that would not be profitable for 
you. So when you make it tough for me or any pastor, yeah, 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 you are calling, you're causing hell to come on you and causing grief and sighing in my life. I had a lot of that in my life. That's the toughest thing. I don't see where Brian went, but I, the, the toughest thing about going into ministry is people. That's why pastors withdraw and don't want friends. Just so get so tired of being stabbed in the back, lied about, talked about as if you're perfect. You're not, and neither am I. Amen? I've had, I had to learn to submit to my pastor. And I do have pastors that I consider friends and to whom I listen to and would submit to. I mean, I feel glad that I can call somebody like Charles Neiman, who has a church of, what, 30,000 on a Sunday. And, hi, Jim, how you doing? I can talk to him and share things with him. And I have, thank God, I'm so blessed to have met so many people where we went to church. Bob Yandian, I mean, the guy knows the word of God. And to be able, he calls me Jim. Remember here he kept calling me Joe. <laughs> but was anybody here for that when he preached? Oh, Joe and I have been friends for you. And finally Judy said his name is Jim. <laughs> I don't think he's ever coming back. <laughs> but he, I'll tell you, in the, when we went up to, you were there when we went up to uh, Tom Fiola's church. And, and we just went up recently. He made sure that he, and I'm glad Jim's here or whatever he said. So he tried to make up for it. But, man, submit. Go where God tells you to go. And read Psalm 119. See how powerful the word of God is. We're no near, nowhere near done with this thing. I hope you're being blessed by this, because I am. You will never know the will of God. You'll never know the mind and will of God unless you know the word of God. Because when people come to me for counseling, and I'll be honest with you, I don't like to counsel. I was head of the counseling department at Faith Fellowship for years. And I, I'm, I want to spend my time studying and researching, preaching the word. But I'm, I, if people need to come and counsel me, I'm like this. Well, what's the word of God say? And most would go, uh, what's the word of God say? And then if you tell me what the word of God say, we'll do it and then come back and see me in a week. I'll be like the doctor. Take these pills. And then you come and say, well, I didn't, would you take the pill? No, I didn't take the pill. Why not? Well, if you don't take the medicine, it ain't going to work. If you don't read the word of God and you don't do what the word of God says, it ain't going to work. What is this going on in my life? Duh, why does my head hurt? You understand what I'm saying? Ow. <laughs> Let's stand up. Man, I love preaching the word. Teaching the word. Father, I thank you that it is your will that we know your will. It's your will that every person in this room seeks you with all their heart. It doesn't mean we have to not quit our jobs and spend the day in the It means... That every morning we wake up, Father, show me thy will. Teach me your ways. Lord, when I read my Bible, first give me a hunger to read the word of God. And when I read the word of God, show me the truth and help me to live that truth. I thank you, Father, for all who are here tonight. They're hungry and thirsting after truth. I'm glad they're here. And Father, may the words that I speak produce life in them. And I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.